Well, hey, Woodside, welcome to another edition of The Link. I also want to give a special welcome to all of our guests and friends that are joining us that may not be a part of the Woodside family, but maybe you're tuning in because you enjoy our conversations here. Today, we're going to have a very important conversation about one of my favorite topics and hopefully yours. We're going to talk about the Bible and what does it mean to be a biblical Christian or to have biblical literacy? I remember a few years ago being alarmed as I read a research report from the Barna Research Group that said only 7% of American Christians had what they called a biblical worldview. Uh, they measured it across some of the uh, basic theology of the Bible, the deity of Jesus, the Trinity, uh, the inerrancy of scripture. And I wondered about my own worldview, the worldview of the people that I pastored uh, at the time. And I realized that it's possible for us to be in church, to be around the Bible, but not really be a people of the book. So today I want to talk to you about the importance of biblical literacy. And as always, I've brought some really good friends who can join us in this conversation. To my left is Matt Weedy. Uh, he is known as the best kids ministry leader in the country, AKA the leader of kids ministry here at Woodside and working in our central ministries department. Matt, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, Jeremy uh, Ribel is uh, the campus pastor, lead campus pastor of our Plymouth campus and uh, a man who I appreciate deeply because of his love for the word. Jeremy, thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me, Pastor Good Chris. to have you. Yeah. Uh, also, Missy Legler is with us today, and uh, she has a passion for discipling women, serves in our women's ministry here, teaching God's word, and is a student of the word of God as well. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Glad to be here. All right. I want to start with just kind of defining the terms. And uh, Jeremy, I'll start with you. When we talk about biblical literacy, right, I tend to feel that people think that that's a problem out there, that it's someone else's problem. But surely that can't be me because I go to church or I've been around the Bible for a long time. Uh, just in a really basic way, what, what do we mean when we say biblical literacy? And maybe akin to that, what's the danger of that? Yeah. I would say that biblical illiteracy isn't just not knowing what's in the Bible. Um, and there is certainly within our culture a sense of a decline in knowing the stories of the Bible. Yeah. But there's also a sense in which we talk about biblical illiteracy where we don't practice the scriptures as well. And it goes together. Um, I think a lot of people may know a lot about the Bible, but they don't practice it or live it out. And so to really say they experientially know or engage the scriptures is as a misnomer uh, in that. Sometimes I like to lovingly call them biblical bobblehead dolls. You know, yeah. they've got a big head on knowledge here, but living it out isn't happening. And so they just kind of topple over it in that way. So not only knowing the scriptures and what it says, but also living it out. And that, that requires us to be able to um, put the Bible in its proper order. It requires us to be able to sense the different genres. And there are parts of the knowledge aspect of it that of it that come along with that, but also just to be able to, to live it out and to say, okay, here's what this word means. Here's how it comes to fruition in my life and in the life of my community and my neighbors. And here's where we're gonna go from there. Uh, I think it, this is dangerous because as our culture continues to shift and we say we're gonna be biblical Christians, yeah. the less we know the scripture and live it out, mm -hmm. the less we're actually matching up what biblical Christianity really is. And that's where we're in danger of becoming uh, compromised and living in the light of the culture and light of the world and its worldviews rather than in the light of distinctly Christian living. And so um, it's, it's very dangerous in that way. It's dangerous when we take 
like just verses, and we kind of sentimentalize, and you, you use the term sentimentalize them, or just, uh, uh, I like to think of it as like, it's something that's crocheted and put up on a wall, you know, it's a pretty picture, it's just a verse there, but it's out of its context, it doesn't necessarily mean on the wall what it means in its location in the scripture, and how we would live it out and practice it. So one of the ones I think that's really uh, my favorite on this is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I see athletes use that a lot yeah. in context of like, hey, I can slam dunk a baseball or a basketball um, because oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've been praying that verse over my life, the slam dunk, for 40 years, and I still haven't hit it. So I don't know what's going on there. But, yeah. but those are ways in which we, we can yeah. be very dangerous with the Bible yes. and miss it. Yes because we don't have it in its context yeah. and application. Yeah, you know, I think about the fact that a lot of people think they've rejected Christianity, when really what they've seen is a misrepresentation uh, of Christianity, and you just gave us a really good framework for understanding, right, what it means to be a biblical uh, Christian. I think about that game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And uh, that final question, is that your final answer, right? And I think that a lot of it comes back to authority. Is, uh, is the Bible your authority, not just a book you quote, like you would quote any other piece of literature, but is it the authority that governs your life? I would love to hear you talk, Messi, about your relationship with Scripture, your relationship with God's Word, and getting to the point where you love God's Word and not just... Um, although studying scripture is a spiritual discipline, not just uh, this uh, uh, obligation, uh, but this uh, desire more than just duty, but desire. Absolutely. I relate exactly to what Jeremy was saying because when he talked about not using scripture in the right context, I would call that not it, biblical malpractice, mm, yeah. to be honest. I mean, because that's yeah. what we do. And, and as Christians, when we don't know God's word, that's what we we can be. We can be more detrimental to our faith than we are helpful to God. Um, and I, this is a personal topic for me because I was that Christian that I thought I was this deep, spiritually mature person, um, but skimmed across Scripture. And I kept running into women who I found, you ever bumped into someone and they just ooze Jesus, right? They just seep out. And that's who I wanted to be. So I started spending time with these women and found out what they had in common was they spent time in the Word. Not a book about the Word, not somebody else telling them what the Word said. They dove in and they spent time with God. It's kind of like um, marrying a man that you meet on the internet and all you know about him is what he puts on his profile. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. That this is how I know who my Savior is, because this is how he chose to, to show me who he is from Genesis to Revelation. So every time I get to open up the Bible, it's the breath of God that I'm getting closer to. Yeah, I love that. You know, it reminds me of uh, a group of young men that uh, a few years ago I was walking with in a discipleship relationship. And I remember bumping into them at a Christian bookstore back when there were Christian bookstores. And, uh, and they were there and, uh, and I said, what do you have in your cart? And uh, they had all these books on the Bible, all these commentaries and theologies. And, 
And I said, what about starting with Romans? How about just starting there with scripture? And I think you're right. I mean, uh, praise God for those who are writing commentaries and theologies and writing on the Bible, but it is his word that breathes life. It's his word uh, that allows us to be able to know his heart, his thoughts. And I do think that loving God's word is directly connected to loving God. You know, uh, Matt, before we even get into how we cultivate this heart in our children, I would love for you to talk about the proper use of scripture because today, um, so often it's used as a weapon right? Um, people using it to justify their position as they criticize someone else. Um, so how have you used scripture in your own life and, and maybe even in ministry to others? I think it's so important to, to look at how Jesus used the Old Testament, you know, in his response uh, when situations came up. Um, you know, no, number one, it shows us how much he knew the word, you know, to use it. Um, but it also just reflects for me just to be a person of humility when it comes to the word. Um, our, our approach to the word and how we, you know, digest it and, and meditate on it, um, but also how we use it towards others. I think um, I'm a passionate person. I can get super passionate when a topic comes up. And I think it's important specifically when you're talking to those who uh, have yet responded to the gospel yes. to be very careful at, at our response and our level of passion when it comes to the word. Um, so I, I think humility as we're quoting scripture, because um, you're speaking to someone who doesn't know the context. They don't know necessarily the, the poetry, the history, the law, whatever you're just going to begin quoting. Um, so the, the posture of humility and love for others as you're yeah. talking about scripture. Yeah, I love that. I love that humility. And I do say this, that the more we know the word, if we really uh, understand it in, in, in particular in the context of the gospel, the more humility it should produce within yes. us. Yes. Uh, it, I know the Bible says knowledge puffs up and that's true in general about information, but the evidence of the word really being internalized mm -hmm. in our hearts and our lives is it brings us to a place of awe mm -hmm. of who he is and a recognition of who we are because of him and who we would be apart from him. I wanna throw a question out for all of you guys and maybe Missy, you could start here. And, uh, and, and really it is the basic of, how do you get started studying the Bible? Because there's a lot of people who are listening to us right now and that book you have in your hand is intimidating, overwhelming, and now you're saying, I need to know it, I need to live it. So how do you study the Bible? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I know, that the first knee-jerk reaction, at least for women that I seem to get to interact with, is go find the nearest Bible study, yeah. right? And that they want someone else to do the work for them. But it starts with just reading, yeah. reading. And it's, it's, I mean, believe it or not, literacy is hard work. Otherwise, we would all be masters at calculus, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Learning takes effort. And sometimes I think we're just scared of the hard work. And I think that it, admitting that it is going to be, it's going to take effort, but starting with prayer, the only way that scripture makes any sense is because the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to it. A, a passage in First um, Corinthians says that to those who are perishing, the word is folly. The, the word of the cross is folly. But to those of us who are being saved, it's 
it's the power of God. And that's the only way that we can study the Bible. It has to start first with the Holy Spirit. And then I personally am a big fan of find someone who's five minutes ahead of you and ask them to walk through it with you. You know, struggle through it. Church is a safe place to walk through the hard theology of the Bible. I mean, it just is. It should be a safe place for us to have those those hard things. So I think first is the Holy Spirit. Second is find someone who can help point you in the right direction of where you're at. Because you can be a Christian for 20 years and still be biblically illiterate. So telling them to go to, oh, start in the book of Luke, you know, or start in Ephesians 1. You know, it's going to be different for where everybody is. I'm a big fan. Start with Genesis. <laughs> There's no reason why you can't start at the beginning and, and read through. Jeremy? Yeah, well, just like what you were saying there, how, does, uh, how do we train a, a child to read, to become literate? Well, they, they do it by talking it out with somebody else. They listen to someone read. They begin to make the sounds and the words themselves. And I think it's similar in how we should approach biblical literacy as well to read in community. The church is a community. It's a vibrant place together. So, um, so I think it's, it's helpful to have the scripture in our own language and to get a translation that's really helpful and clear. Um, I would suggest like the English Standard Version or the Christian Standard Bible or even the New Living Translation. Those are helpful on the level translations that are really good. So get something like that, um, but then also get another person, get another Christian to read with you and say, hey, maybe can you can you read through John with me? And can I ask you questions? Can we talk about this together? Um, those people are there. They're just waiting to be asked, I think. And it, I know from my own experience, when someone has come to me and said, hey, can, can I read the Bible with you and talk about it? Uh, when I've had these conversations with, with non-Christians, when I've read them, they've been the most fruitful and um, wonderful conversations. And it's just helpful for us to just kind of work through a book or work through uh, chapters together and just, okay, what is... What does Jesus mean when he talks about this? What is he saying? So literacy happens in community. And I think that that is one of the greatest ways that we do it together. But also hearing, um, one other way is like, I think hearing preaching through the Bible uh, as well. Yeah, I want to come to that. Yeah. So when we get to the scriptures as a church family together, um, working through books of the Bible together. It puts stuff in context. Yeah. It kind of helps you figure that out. So I, I don't know if we always make that connection uh, for the members of our church family, but we're intentional about our teaching style here at Woodside. We are expository preachers, which means that we are teaching through the scriptures, line upon line, precept upon precept. And in many ways, we're doing it to model how you should study the Bible. Right that the Bible should be um, read in, uh, in a matter where you don't just pick a verse, right, out of context, but read in context, um, being able to sit down and read a letter of the New Testament all in one sitting. And I love that whole thought of reading in one sitting. I mean, most of the books of the Bible, you think about it, even the longer ones like in Isaiah can be conquered in a couple hours if you sit down and, 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 and just give yourself time to read it. Smaller books like Ephesians, Philippians, these are letters, literally letters. And so, uh, yeah, we are trying to teach in a way that cultivates or models how you should study and read. All right, so Matt, we've gotten, you should pray. So consult the author, right? Uh, make sure that you are uh, reading first. If you're gonna learn it, understand it, you gotta read it. You should do it in community uh, with others. Uh, what about you? Uh, what advice would you give for those who wanna just start studying God's word? 
I would say, um, so I, I went on vacation. You know, I go on vacation every year with my family, and I had gone to the same exact place every single summer my entire life, and I had the joy um, in my 20s to get up in a helicopter at wow. one point and actually come up above this <clears throat> beautiful lake and see it from up there. Now, this is a place where I had been around that lake so many times. I had explored every square inch on vacation, but never had I seen it you know, in, yes. in, in its glory from up above. And that really changed my whole perspective on it. Um, so you know, my advice would be to, to really look at scripture in, in a bigger scope, yes. to really kind of get up there and to see the awe of what it is. Yes. I think a lot of times when we study scripture, we can look specifically right at a verse or at a passage, and there's so much value to that. But when you begin to see the beauty of God's word from beginning to end in more of a quick way, um, then you then you can dive in to see the detail yes. and beauty of it all. So I, I see the the balance in both. Yeah, that's beautiful, and I think that it is it is powerful when we have that full orb view of uh, of scripture, and we do want to know the big story, right? Um, one of the questions I would love, Jeremy, you're well, going to say, say we we have this resource that you hand out at our church that uh, is the Jesus Storybook Bible. We give it to our families and stuff like that. Parents, read that. I mean, that's, that will give any parent, any, any, uh, anybody, any adult, a, a sense of biblical literacy yeah. from 30,000 foot view. Yeah. And yeah, it's a children's book, but if I was a seminary professor and I was teaching a biblical theology class, that would be a text I would assign to every seminary student that would be there. They would have to read the Jesus Storybook Bible I have been, just to get that Yeah, view. I have been a dad of a four-year-old and, and that four-year-old asking, Daddy, why are you tearing up? You know, at at, at Bible time, you know, at Bible time, and it's like because the significance of this Old Testament story, but how how they so beautifully weave in the rescuer who is coming, who is going to. It just allows you to see the the, the whole text yeah. as as the gospel. Yeah. So Matt, uh, while you're on four year olds, because I'm a dad as well, um, what advice do you give to parents who want to cultivate that love for scripture in the heart of their children. And I would love for you to speak to two types of parents, mm -hmm. uh, ones who have smaller ones at home, mm -hmm. but maybe ones who look back and say, I didn't really do it uh, when they were little and now they're in high school. Maybe I got a year left yeah. with them. What do I do now? Yeah, I'd say for parents who are out there, you know, the biggest encouragement to you is um, go for it. You know, yeah. just, just do it, just start little. Yeah. Um, it can be daunting, you know, and, and we can all look at people and think that they're more spiritual. A lot of times we can kind of criticize our own uh, faults. Yes. Uh, our kids are the ones who see our faults the most. Yes. And I think, who are we to begin talking about Bible literacy to them? But uh, I'd say start. Um, start somewhere. And uh, with young ones, we, we want to make it fun. Uh, with big ones, we want to make it fun. Yeah. Um, but with, with kids, you know, bring in music. There's so much music. And wow. in fact, our, our Woodside Kids Video Hub, uh, we have a, a portal there that has some songs that, uh, that talk about scripture. Um, talk about scripture memorization and, and scripture books of the Bible, but yes. those types of things when you put it to a beat and, and put it in front of a child, a child yeah. is going to start, you know, swaying back and forth. They're going to get into it. Um, so make it fun with kids. I think um, it's so important for families to talk about the word of God, to read the word of God, yeah. to create predictable patterns, you know, so as a parent, you value your child taking a bath. 
right? As a parent, you value your child brushing their teeth. And so it's a value you're going to continue even when they don't want to do it. Uh, so in the life of a family, just encourage those predictable patterns of Bible reading time. Um, so maybe it's, it's parents reading right before bed, maybe it's right after a meal, um, but to make it fun too. Um, so infuse those types of things in the life of a kid, make it fun, choose, <clears throat> choose a verse for your family, um, choose a verse for that season, choose a scripture passage for that vacation time, celebrate the good, the verses in scripture that talk about rejoicing and praising God, but also memorizing and meditating on verses about being a peacemaker in the home, yeah. right? Because we as parents are trying to disciple our kids <laughs> to be peacemakers, but to not always choose verses that have to do with discipline, yeah. but also choosing verses that have to do with rejoicing and celebrating those types of things. too. So parents, just to hear Matt, I want to interpret for Matt, don't just use the Bible <laughs> alongside of a belt. Don't just <laughs> use the Bible when you want to discipline your kids, but use it to encourage them That's right. uh, as well. You know, I would just say this from a teenager perspective, uh, that I think the older your kids get, the more it's about what they see you modeling. Yeah in your own life. And if you really wanna get through to that young adult, that teenager, that college student, that 20 something, uh, just begin to love the scripture yourself. Yes. Uh, walk through God's word and share with them like you would anything else that's happening in your life. Share with them what Christ is doing in you uh, through the study of scripture, not in judgmentalism or pride, but just in the joy of your own life uh, being transformed. I know there's a ton of, of directions we can go, but I would love for you guys to maybe mention a tool or a resource uh, that's helped you as you study the Bible that you would recommend for people as well. And Matt, I know our kids ministry produces so many. Uh, you've mentioned the Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, but any, anything you recommend for uh, uh, our families? Yeah, uh, we, built into our, our Woodside Kids curriculum is uh, monthly Bible verses. So that's a great place to start. That's good. Um, so for elementary and for preschool, there's different verses that really encompass the theme of every month. So I'd encourage all the parents to, to find out, go to our, our video hub, and that's where you'll find out all the content, whether you're in person or whether you're watching digitally, it's always there. And so you can connect with the Bible verse for that month. Yes. Uh, I think that's a great place to start. I think uh, other you know, tools for families, um, certainly the Word of God. You know, there's a lot of good books out there, um, but with Woodside Kids, we memorize a lot with the NIRV, uh, the reader's version, and just encouraging yes. for those elementary age parents to open up God's Word and read that with your children. Uh, and I think a lot of times for kids, particularly as they grow up, they're kind of developing through their concrete thinking to their abstract thinking. Yeah. So when they're elementary age kids, it is a lot of memorization yeah. and there's a lot of value in that. But as they move into middle school and high school to allow those conversations and yes. questions to, to occur. Yeah. So for parents, That's it, really it does take work. So, but I've known dads, dads who have prioritized uh, meal time with certain kids. So they almost have like a date time with their son or with their daughter. And the conversations always change, but as the years kind of grew, they could infuse Bible literacy in those dad conversations yeah. with their kids. Yeah. Or moms who say, you know what, with their daughters, they're gonna take a walk 
every Sunday. Yeah. And during those conversations, they can be about life and other things, but you can also turn that corner a little bit and talk about Bible literacy yeah. in that special moment. So there's a lot of tools out there, but um, use the word yeah. as well. I love that conversation, that dialogue around the word. Uh, it's not just a formal time, but the informal time as well. All right, rapid fire round. A resource from you. Yeah, one I love is the ESV Gospel Transformation Study Bible. So it's a scripture, it's in a very uh, accessible translation, but it shows how every passage of scripture connects to the overarching reality of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation and helps us think through how we live it out and apply it as well. So it's not just about the head knowledge and going, okay, here's where it is in redemptive history, but what do I do with this? How do I obey and love and follow faithfully the Lord Jesus from his word? All right, so for those taking notes, say it again. The ESV Gospel Transformation Study Bible. All right. I'm a big fan of the Study Bible, but I'd have to say there is nothing beats sitting down with your Bible, a notebook and a pen. A notebook and a pen. There is to write down what you have questions about, yes. what jumps out at you. Yeah, and then I'm, a, I'm a, absolutely, <laughs> but I'm also a huge fan of using like uh, the YouVersion Bible app, especially when I'm working with women who have not read through scripture. You know what? We, I recommend they read through an entire book several times if they're yes. studying it. And it's okay to put your headphones on and let someone read it to you. Yeah. It's all right that you can start to take that 20,000 foot view of all of scripture when you're listening to it read through the second or the third time yeah. and something else jumps out at you. I'm a huge fan of listening to someone read it to you as well, so that if you're an auditory listener, writing notes, if you're a kinesthetic learner, you know, it, it's meeting all of the needs of the person. But a good old fashioned Bible and a pen mm -hmm. is, nothing, and a nothing notebook. Nothing wrong is, with that. I love that. I love that. I love your passion for scripture, all of you. That's why I invited you on. It encourages my own. I just want to say uh, another great tool is the Bible Project. Uh, these are short videos. So as you start a book of the Bible, you can go to YouTube, watch uh, an overview on that particular book of the Bible so you can understand the context, helps it to be a little bit less intimidating. And as you study God's Word, get the notebook out and be an investigator, right? So as you study God's Word, ask the who, what, when, where, why, and how questions. Who's talking? What are they talking about? Where are they at when they're talking? Uh, when was this taking place and how does this fit into the overall message of scripture? Uh, these are fun ways to engage God's word to help you to be a better student of God's word. Most of all, we wanna pray that you would have a passion to know his word and to uh, love his word because as we do, we faithfully uh, witness to a watching world of his faithfulness. So let's pray if we could do that. I'm gonna pray for you guys. Father, thank you so much for giving us your living truth through the scriptures. Uh, Father, we thank you for those who have pre preserved uh, your word throughout the ages and generations. And we thank you that we have such access uh, to your word. May we be good stewards of it. I pray the Lord that you will remove intimidation and fear and replace it with desire and passion. And I pray the Lord that we would be known as those who know your word and live your word before a watching world. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
Well, thanks for joining me and thanks for watching this edition of The Link. As you uh, seek to pursue a deeper life in God's Word, please know that we have resources in the postscript uh, and know that at every campus, our campus pastors and staff are there to be able to help you to increase your knowledge of God's Word and to deepen your walk in the Word of God. Until we're together again for the next edition of The Link, God bless and have a great day.